Welcome back to another episode of Beauty Aside. I'm your host, Gentry Quinn, and this month we are so excited because it marks our one-year anniversary. So stay tuned at the very end for some details on how to take advantage of our special offer. Now, my next guest is a triple threat. Not only is she drop-dead gorgeous, but she's insanely smart and multi-passionate. She's 2019's Miss Earth USA. She's a model, personal trainer, soon-to-be registered dietitian, and if that is not enough, she makes time to volunteer with organizations related to environmentalism, animal welfare, and veteran communities. Welcome to the Beauty Aside podcast. I'm Gentry Quinn. I dropped out of school at the age of 17, got my GED, and still managed to build multiple businesses and a beauty line from the ground up. Beauty aside, each week we'll be talking with entrepreneurs and learning what it takes to achieve balance and what it really means to follow your dreams. Welcome, Libby. Hi, Gendry. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited that you're here with us today. We love all that you do so much. Did I leave anything out? I'm, I'm like, what else could you possibly do? I know you do so no, much. I feel like that was more than generous. I lined up in one sentence. Well, I know you do. To, you're being very gracious. I know you do a lot more than that. And we're going to uh, hopefully have time to get to all of that today. Now, I know that a lot of folks may know you as Miss Earth USA, but you weren't always involved in pageantry. So can you just tell us what inspired you to get started and also what it means to you to hold the title? Yeah, so I actually had a very short pageant career. I know a lot of people do it their whole lives, but I was never exposed to it as a younger lady. So I was working as a science and math tutor um, at the beginning of my studies in dietetics, and I had a client, one of the families, encouraged me to try a pageant, and I decided that the universe had put that in my path. I'm kind of one of those people who, you know, if it seems like a once in a lifetime opportunity, I'm going to grab it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to experience life. So I decided to compete in a pageant and I absolutely fell in love with the process. It, it gives you such an opportunity to consider what you think about the world, to hone your interview skills, um, you know, to just commit to your own health and physical fitness and to inspire others. So after that pageant, I did some research. I found the Miss Earth system, which is now my home pageant system because I love the environment and the entire pageant is built around this concept of building young advocates for the environment who are also interested in beauty pageants. So that's how I ended up here. And then as a title holder, my responsibilities are to organize events that are related to my platform, which is Coastal Restoration. And I've kind of grown that platform also into sustainability surrounding our food systems the more I get into dietetics. And so I do a lot of education, a lot of media, a lot of boots on the ground work to try and further that platform and get other people involved with conversations about the environment. So I really appreciate you having me here today. So maybe we can chat a little bit about that too. You know, I, I, that is so beautiful. And I'm so excited that you mentioned that. Um, I'm just going to jump right to it since you did and ask you um, a question because I know that you are really, really extremely passionate about sustainability. And I think that's something we could all use a little extra education on. If someone truly wants to do better right now, but they don't have a lot of money or spare time to volunteer, and obviously we're in the midst of a, a pandemic, so there's that. 
what can they do right now so that they know that they're making a difference? Well, actually, COVID's given us a really easy way to become more sustainable. Um, we saw things like paper products, plastic products, all of these things exit the shelves. And so really a large part of America had to figure out how to live without these convenience products. And that's something that we can all hopefully continue to do, um, even as this pandemic resolves. And then you know, cooking at home, it, it's, it has a huge impact on the environment. Cooking healthy home meals, um, you know, learning about the food that you're preparing, making sure that you're using every part of the food that you're purchasing, all of those things have a really dramatic impact on our carbon footprint. Um, things like eliminating waste, just making sure that you're keeping the lights off in your house when you're not using them, staying off the roads as much as you can, um, carpooling, you know, just it's the little things that you've always heard of and you don't realize that actually doing them is making a big difference. And I think right now we're seeing that the cumulative effect of people all across America and all across the world kind of being forced into this more sustainable lifestyle has had an actual impact on our environment that's visible to us that we can walk outside and see. So I think that this is actually perfect timing to learn about sustainability and appreciate the opportunity to to live more sustainably in the home because it starts in the home for anyone who's interested that is so so good that is so good cooking at home learning about food recycling i think there's definitely a silver lining there and i'm so glad you brought that up because i think that that is really so important it's like you know, now these things have come to, to the front of our minds. Let's, let's keep doing them, right? <laughs> There's no, right. This has forced us to think about some things that maybe we were just too busy. I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt. Just say they were too busy to think about before. Now we have the time, so let's keep it up. That is brilliant, and thank you for sharing that. Well, else um, people didn't know to think about it. That's the other thing is, you know, there's a lot of, we've fallen into patterns and we don't really understand what's wrong with them. Um, you don't think about the fact that you're using a to-go coffee cup every day. And so it might not even be a, a conscious disregard for the environment. It might just be, we need to change our daily patterns and our daily routines. And this brings light to the need for that. I love that. I mean, it's just, you don't know what you don't know, right? I mean, we say, we say that all the time. And then, you know, it's like my Angelo quote, you know, when you know better, you do better. So I love that you brought that up as well. Um, it's good stuff. So, you know, if you don't mind, I want to go back just a little bit and unpack the journey or your journey thus far up to the present day so that people kind of understand fully, you know, where you've been and what's led you to doing what it is that you do. Um, and I love how multi-passionate you are. I mentioned that before. With regards to your career choices, um, what came first? Usually something inspires something else. Something happens to you. You start doing one thing. It brings up, it sparks another interest. It either shows you what you want to do or what you don't want to do. That leads to something else. So could you just unpack that for us a little bit with regards to your, uh, the choices you've made with your career involving health? Yes. And I think that you, I mean, really lined me up perfectly there because that's exactly what happened to me. Um, I started with a degree in human biology from the University of Texas in Austin. And from there, I went to work uh, for a little bit in direct uh, 
direct care in a mental health hospital uh, while I was looking for a job in research. And then I ended up working in clinical trial research. And in both scenarios, I encountered a lot of patients and a lot of people who in ways had been failed by the system or failed by how we perceive health in America and the actions we take were more of a let's fix the problem once it becomes a problem society. And I'm someone who's really passionate and really driven to be the change and make the change. And so it was really emotionally draining for me to care so much on other people's behalfs who, you know, maybe weren't as interested in their health or they were subscribing to this notion of health that we have in America that you fix problems when they're problems. And so I started thinking about, well, what's the best way for me to be a preventative, you know, contribute to healthcare in a preventative sense. And I started looking into diet and I started looking into all of these things that made me happy, like physical exercise, um, beautiful meals, colorful food. And that kind of led me back to dietetics as a profession. And the more that I learned about it, the more excited I was about it. I'm actually someone who recovered from an eating disorder, and I struggled for nearly a decade. And, you know, I went to to doctors. Nobody ever referred me to a dietitian. And so coming across this profession was just the biggest light bulb, and I was just called to do it from so many fronts, from my history with eating disorders, from my desire to do better for people. Um, in a preventative capacity. And so I think that's kind of what led me to dietetics. So thank you for sharing that because that's really personal. And I know that a lot of people are going to be able to relate to that. And I think that that's really important to let people know that they are not alone whenever they're struggling. Um, Can you maybe give folks who may be currently struggling with, say, body image, some suggestions on how they can shift to a healthier mindset? And if that seems too maybe advanced, can you give them some steps maybe that they could take now um, towards, I don't know if the word is recovery, but, you know, um, just, 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 uh, getting them going in the right direction. (laughs) Right. Well, I think at the end of the day, it really is kind of a case to case thing. You have to confront your own trauma and confront where that negative body image comes from before you can start healing. Um, So I would encourage if you're dealing with issues about your body, reach out to a dietitian, reach out to a counselor, somebody who can help you unpack the source of those issues Um, And then while you're at home by yourself, you know, the beautiful thing about social media is you get to kind of cultivate the people that you want to follow um, and, you know, curate the people that you want to follow. So you can go in and unfollow people who don't make you feel good about yourself. And that's kind of my metric for how I engage with social media. Um, if, If somebody that I'm following, when I go to their page, it makes me feel bad about myself. I delete them and I'll follow people with more encouraging positive messages. Um, So that's, I think, a a giant contributor to how we feel about our bodies is the body images that have been portrayed to us either realistically or maybe not so realistically thanks to editing these days. Um, And just eliminate that from what you consume on a daily basis. And then the last thing that I would suggest is going to NIDA is the National Eating Disorder Association. 
they have some great resources for work you can do at home. Um, if you visit their website, you can kind of walk through programs with them, or they can connect you to resources like reduced care or connect you with somebody who maybe is in your location or who could help you. Thank you for sharing that resource. And we should put that at the bottom of our show notes for anyone that wants to uh, maybe doesn't have a pen and wants to remember that. That really just gave me chills about unfollowing the people that don't make you feel good. Because I think that that is how it's a very simple way that we can sort of take our power back you know, because we're not glossy. We don't walk around as glossy images. And we're about to get more into that topic in our behind the scenes talk in a minute. But it's not always like what you see on TV or in magazines. And I think sometimes that's a hard thing for people to differentiate. It's a hard thing for women to differentiate when they look and think, oh, maybe I should be looking like that. And it's also kind of weird for guys because that's all they see. So, um, so thank you for sharing that because that's a really actionable thing that someone can do right now that I think would make a really, really big difference. And I love that you mentioned, um, you know, confronting your own trauma because that's so individual and reaching out to, um, someone like yourself that can help them with understanding the diet or, um, a counseling, you know, not being, not being, uh, you know, ashamed to do that because actually that's a really brave thing to do quite honestly. Um, so, wow. Okay. So we're going to switch gears for just a second because, um, you know, I mentioned it's a good transition. We're talking about behind the scenes stuff and, and, and body image. And I want to go really behind the scenes for a minute, if you will, because, that's what we love to do on this show. We go beyond the glitz and the glamour for people so that they can discover what it really takes to turn dreams into reality. And I'm just going to dive right in if that's okay and ask some, some questions. (laughs) So what's the biggest misconception good or bad that you think people may have about you when they learn you're involved in pageants? I think, you know, probably the most stereotypical feedback is, you know, oh, a pageant girl. Oh, she's so obsessed with her own look. She doesn't, you know, have any thoughts in her head. And, you know, I think that's when we look at people who put effort into their beauty, we make assumptions about them that that's all they care about. Um, And in reality, um, beauty, it doesn't win a pageant. At the end of the day, you have to be more than beautiful. You have to have done the the behind-the-scenes work. You have to have committed to your platform. Uh, In my case, it was going out into the marshland and doing the restoration work and educating people and getting dirty and things that you can't wear makeup because you have mud all over your face. That's what gets you to the crown. And so when you look at someone and say, oh, that's that's such a sparkly crown, your life must be perfect. It's not true. It's the hard work that gets you there. So speaking of hard work, um, what's the hardest part of competing in the pageants? Is it, is it, is any of it like what we see on TV or all the girls secretly backstage hugging? You know, I, I think it kind of depends on the state, the system, whatever it is. I've heard horror stories myself, but I have not personally really experienced that. I, especially with the earth system, something great that they do is they get all the delegates together in advance on this 
Facebook page. And so everybody is communicating to each other, talking to each other. And we're also united under this umbrella of environmental platforms. So we all have at least one common interest. And the way I had to look at it was if anyone who's going to do a good job wins this title, I'm going to be grateful because I'm here for the environment as much as I'm here for myself. So I have a bunch of great friends who have come out of pageants and we root for each other. And, you know, it is a sisterhood if you do it the right way. But if you go in to compare, if you go in just to win, I don't think you're going to get those benefits out of it. You kind of have to go in for the journey and the self-development and the development of relationships and friendships. So I think it's all your perspective, as are most things. I love that. I love that you mentioned perspective. I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. You kind of get out of it what you kind of put into it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, okay, on a lighter note, do you have any funny stories that stand out around pageantry that we can, <laughs> that you can share? You know what's funny is that I, you know, sometimes I think what's funny for me is when I do the onstage question, It's a very nerve wracking experience and, you know, you go up there and you're in front of hundreds of people and you have no idea what question you're about to get. And then you just start talking. And every time I do an onstage question, I just black out after the fact. I have no idea what I've said. And so I have to go back and like ask my family, did I do okay? What did I say? Did I say anything offensive? Like, was that fine? Uh, So I guess that's kind of the funny part is that so many of those stressful moments, you just you know, you, you almost don't even remember them. You kind of have to put them somewhere uh, to deal with them. So no, that is, that is pretty funny, but you know what that brings to light for me about you is that you are a true professional because that shows someone that has, you know, woken up early every day and Mm -hmm. has practiced and has done her thing so that even when the, you know, the lights are in her face and the pressure is on in front of hundreds or thousands of people, you know, she can still deliver what she needs to deliver and articulate it uh, in a way that makes sense and not remember what she said. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I still don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna bet it does. And I think that that uh that's a good message for people um because I like to say you're only as good as, as you know, how, how much you practice, really. That's truly mm-hmm. what I believe. So to me, that just shows that you're professional. So now I know that you have the national pageant, pageant for Miss Earth USA coming up again in August in Las Vegas. Can you mm-hmm. just tell us what is a day in the life of Libby look like preparing in the days leading up to a big competition like this? Yes, so I'm actually handing off my title this time. So it's going to be a cakewalk. It's going to be beautiful. I don't have to stress about really preparing too much because, you know, I'm actually handing off my title and I'll leave the stressing up to the other contestants who are competing. Um, But leading up to my pageant uh, last year, when I was competing, every day I had to focus on on something different. So I did a lot. um, Something that keeps me sane is physical activity, you know, People tell me I'm like a puppy. I need to run a certain amount before I have a clear head. So usually I would combine days that I was doing, you know, weight training or physical activity, something like that. 
And then I would do interview training after that. And so I did have an interview coach and we would do Skype sessions. And then I had this journal as well, where anytime I heard something that was going on in our world or in our country or in regards to our environment, or if I you know, went out and did a restoration project and encountered somebody or something that resonated with me, I just keep kind of a running list of those experiences and then go back and reflect on them. So that was kind of my interview prep. And then I would do walking practice, which sounds so silly, but, um, you know, you go, I guess, into, I did it at my gym and I was in these like six and a half inch pageant heels. They're so tall. I don't, you know, you have to train to walk in them and, you know, everybody else is there getting their workout on and I'm just, you know, prancing around in the mirrored room. So there are a lot of little funny things that go into it. And then also the environmental side, I organized a number of events where people could come out and do cleanups with me, replant marsh grass. We did a fundraiser for the oyster fostering program in our community, which is a really cool thing. If you want to dive into that in a second. And just a lot of trying to keep up with education and stay out there. So it's, it's a lot. There's so many components to a pageant and preparing for all of them is almost a full-time job. It sounds like it. I'm almost out of breath just thinking about it all, honestly. <laughs> and you were talking about walking practice sounds silly. I'm like, no girl, if I was going to be walking in front of all those people, I would be practicing every day too. Seriously. Mm-hmm. That does not sound, I mean, I see how it could feel silly, but totally get it. Totally makes sense to me. And, and you never know the floor you're going to get. So everything could, could change last minute. Seriously. And you got to stay poised and look elegant the whole time. There's definitely some, some technique in there, I'm going to say. And I love how you mentioned exercise because that's so important. And, you know, you did things with your, your interviewing coach and you organized environmental events. You wrote in a journal. You practiced the mechanics of everything. I think that that's so important for people to understand, especially if there's anyone out there aspiring to do what it is that you do, they need to understand that it is a lot of work. Um, This isn't just, you know, this isn't just, uh, you know, a a pretty, a pretty face. This is someone that's put in an extreme amount of time and effort into, you know, orchestrating, you know, what it is that, that they're doing and they're offering um, so that they can be of service also when they actually take on the title, because that's the ultimate mm-hmm. goal, right? Is to win and then be of service. So what, I, I do have this, this question that just came to mind whenever you were talking and before our podcast, just to let the listeners know, uh, you had mentioned that you had been up since six o'clock. And that may not sound early to maybe some moms out there with a bunch of kids. I don't know because I don't have a bunch of kids, but uh, I do know that you don't have kids and I know that you are younger. I don't know exactly how old you are, but I know that you are younger and to be up every morning at 6am and to be that dedicated when you could easily sleep in. If you wanted to, I have to ask, where does your discipline come from? Was it instilled through your parents? Did it, was it something that you just took upon yourself because you felt motivated? Like where, where, where did that come from? I think it was probably the way I was raised. I come from a a really Texan family. And so we're a, you know, 
your yes is your word kind of people. Uh, my mom has always been a super dedicated person. She takes on huge projects. And so we're just, we're a really committed family. That's part of our culture. Um, I've been a really stubborn child since I was, you know, even a baby. So I think part of it is, you know, just being a stubborn personality. And when I attack a goal, I'm committed to it and I'm going to follow through. It's almost like I can't let go of things sometimes when I commit to them. So I have to be really selective about what I put my energy into. Um, So right now it's making sure that I'm trying to stay connected with people, trying to keep people educated on what's going on in our environment um, or, you know, important things like this, talking about what it means to be um, a woman and all the different things that go into that. So I guess just sharing that message is what's keeping me going during COVID. There was definitely a time where I felt unmotivated initially um, when everything started shutting down, but I've kind of found that passion again through connecting with people like you. So thank you for having me. I love that you mentioned that how, because a lot of people, thank you, first of all, for being here, but a lot of people, I think, um, you know, they feel like they have to post the perfect pictures and have the perfect holidays. And, you know, when we all go through something like this, I think it's more common than not for people to feel those feelings, but maybe not really talk about. So I think that 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 was important that you mentioned that, hey, this was kind of hard for you too. And you had to pivot and shift, but um, you sort of came out of it by you know, connecting, you mentioned this a couple times, connecting with uh, other people or groups uh, for support. And I think that is one of, that's a great, great uh, tip. That's one of the, the number one ways we can all um, kind of come together, stick together and be there for each other right now. And if there's a listener out there right now, that's like, well, I don't know. Well, I don't know what group to, to, you know, to join or, Maybe there's just so many groups. I would just encourage them to, you know, Google or on Facebook, um, a group that subscribes to whatever it is that they're needing support. And because there, there's probably a support group for everything probably out there, uh, that lets people know that they're not alone. And I just think that that's a great way for us to stay connected. So, um, thank you for mentioning that. I'm going to, I have to ask you this question because I, you are undeniably gorgeous and that is not just me being nice. I'm pretty sure you've heard that a million times because it is definitely true. And, you know, um, what would you say to someone who may look at a picture of you or read about you in a magazine and think she is so beautiful. She is so smart. She knows exactly what to say. I could never be that perfect. I could never do that. What would you say to someone? Well, I think we all come into our own in our own time. And, you know, so much goes on behind the scenes. I was someone who was guilty of not seeing my own beauty for a long time. So I don't always think that we're the best judge of how we look or what we're capable of. Um, I think when you focus more on the development that goes on in your heart um, and the development that goes on in your mind, you'll come to this kind of level of understanding that beauty isn't everything. My family has always said 
pretty is as pretty does. Um, that's a quote that my grandma liked to say. Um, so I don't consider someone beautiful because of the way they look. I consider them beautiful for the things that they believe in, for their courage, for you know the things that they've set out to do and accomplish. I, I just think that there's so much more to becoming someone who's considered beautiful. And if it was all about physical appearance, I wouldn't even really appreciate the compliment. <laughs> I, I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that. And I, I hope everyone's listening to this right now. Pretty is as pretty does. That's a really, really important message for people to understand. Um, and that beyond the pretty images, uh, there's a lot more going on. And if there's a not, not a lot going on, there's the, that person probably isn't there to begin with. I think that's something that's kind of overlooked too, that, that, you know, physical appearance and beauty is often what draws us in, but it's the depth of what someone offers that kind of keeps us engaged, if you will. So it's almost in a way, um, your responsibility, if you're someone like a pageant queen or a model um, to kind of demystify the idea that, you know, we're perfect all the time (laughs) because we're not, I certainly am not. I spend most of my days in a bun uh, with no makeup on uh, normally just like out running around in the woods doing restoration, you know, whatever it is I do Um, sitting for long hours at the computer, trying to finish out my program. Um, And I'm, I'm a friendly person. Like if somebody wants to come and talk to me, I think that they'll realize that, you know, realizing that somebody is human and somebody is kind and somebody, you know, you can talk to them. They're just another person. I think that goes a long way in kind of breaking those notions of these perfect, pristine people out on a pedestal. I'm not saying that that's who I am, but if anyone were to perceive me that way, I'd love to talk to them and just be a real person with them and have a conversation. I think that goes a long way too. You are just really touching me so deeply today. Thank you for saying that about we're all human and, and kind of, you know, just being real and letting people know, Hey, you know, this is, this is what I do as, you know, this is a profession. Um, but every day I'm not looking like this. I'm having my hair up in a bun, you know, and I'm doing all of these things that you, that you guys do too. Um, I think that that's uh, really important for people to understand like the perception versus the reality. Um, I had a guest on recently, Christina, uh, with ATX Austin, and she's also a physical fitness trainer. And we had a funny conversation about my perception of her and how I thought that she worked out every day because she's a personal trainer and she's just like, uh, no, I don't work out every single day. Uh, but you know, that was my perception. And so how often is it that we have a perception about something because that's just what we see. So we just assume, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is just not always the case. So, um, you know, now, not just in work, but in life, in terms of longevity, what are, what are you most looking forward to and why? In life, I'm really most excited right now about 
kind of my, my launching into the dietetic profession. I'm finishing up my program in August. And from there, things have changed a lot in terms of how I perceive my future, just because there's so much uncertainty these days. I don't want to get too attached to any certain path because likely it will change uh, given the climate in the world today. But making sure that I go down the path that's right for me and become a dietitian and have the opportunity to help others uh, come to terms with their bodies and how to source their food sustainably and how to love themselves. I think that's hopefully something I can share with the world because that's what I feel is my purpose in life. So that's my biggest thing on the horizon. I don't know what it's going to look like yet um, with COVID and everything going on, but we'll get there somehow. You know, I think that none of us do really. And that's such a profound thing that you said, Um, you know, that we can set intentions, but not be attached to a particular outcome. I think that's something we could all stand to marinate on for a little while because that is just part of life. And so, um, yeah, that is really good stuff. Now, if you could wave a magic wand and go back in time when you were very first starting out, you know, doing the, doing pageants, is there anything that you would do differently? Hmm. You know, it wasn't too long ago that I first started pageants, but I think my biggest downfall was how stressed I was. I felt like I was such a newcomer. I, you know, had no idea what I was doing. I'd done the research, but I never really lived the experience. And so I had a lot of nerves that ended up, I think in my first pageant, maybe holding me back because I felt like I was looking, especially in interview for the correct answer instead of just speaking my truth and backing it up. And so I think that's been the biggest thing that I've overcome in pageantry. Also, I was really, really bad at doing my own hair. I still kind of am, but <laughs> I'm I, <love> <laughs> yeah, I got some professional help there. And uh, maybe I think the interview was the biggest thing, just relaxing a little bit. That's hard for me because I'm a very uh, high strung, like type A driven person. So letting go of that was actually really beneficial to me. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons I loved pageantry to begin with because it it let me share my own opinions and you know be confident in sharing them because I knew I could back them up on the spot if I needed to. So you brought up something interesting. What can you tell us what are some practices that um that you've done to help you relax and kind of sink into that 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 calmness that we all need sometime to to get us through those you know, those stressful moments, you know, it may not be in a pageant, but it may be just uh, other things in life. Like what were some things that, that you did that were very effective? So I, I guess I'm a funny person in the sense that I don't, I don't love yoga. I don't love meditating. Like I guess every now and then I'll do a deep breathing exercise, but I find when I try to subscribe to the traditional or someone else's version of self-care and it doesn't really always work for me and I always felt a little bit broken because of that um but at the end of the day I started to learn how I care for myself in the best way and that's taking a really long walk doing a really hard workout just something that kind of like 
exhausts me physically and puts me in this calm mindset, um, taking a really hot shower or playing with an animal. Like, those are the things that bring my spirit rest. And so being able to kind of think about those things and have this space that I can visualize either being out on the water, being somewhere that I feel safe. Those are the things that I kind of have to visualize. Um, if I'm in a stressful pageant situation, I take myself there. Um, and if I have the ability, I'll go, you know, run a mile or whatever it is. No, I think that that's really important because basically you just said self-care is individual. And it is so individual. And so we shouldn't judge ourselves by what other people are doing, feel like we're, we have to like sign up for the next marathon. If that's not our style, like, you know, you're speaking my language. I like walking is totally my jam. You know, my animals are like my children. Um, you maybe lost me at the hard workout thing. <laughs> so I can't identify with that quite yet. <laughs> but, uh, but I think that's important for people to know that self-care is very individual. So whatever works for you should be the thing that you do. The important, the important message here, in my opinion, is to just focus on movement. Just freaking move, do something, do anything, especially if you're feeling anxious or stressed out. I think it's one of the number one ways to get ourselves out of that feeling. Would you agree? Well, I think you just hit the nail on the head for me is because if anything, I'm probably prone to like physical anxiety. And so that's why a workout gives me that sense of release. Uh, Whereas to some people, stillness is the move, you know? They, they need to like feel grounded and centered and embrace that stillness. And for me, it's releasing that anxiety through physical motion. So you're right that it is different for everyone, but whatever it is for you, do it. Do the it. other day I tried to, you know, it's like about once a year, I'll convince myself that I want to do yoga or I want to take like a relaxing hot bath. <laughs> and every time I do it, I just... I'm like, Libby, what were you thinking? Because last week I made this beautiful bubble bath and I put like crystals out and candles out and I swear I got in it and I sat there for a minute and a half and it was humid and it was gross and I was bored and I got right back out. So yeah. Oh, that is so funny. Self-care is a funny thing, but when you find what works for you, just embrace it. That is, that really is funny. There's so many people that would die for an opportunity to take a bath and you're like, nope. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Moving on. Um, so that is pretty funny. So, you know, just one more thing about the, the, the pageant world, because there may be people out there listening who have that dream, you know? So what would you say to them who, the people that aspire to maybe win a title themselves one day? Like, how could they get started? Like, what would be the thing that, that they could do today to maybe help them prepare or get closer to that goal of, of just it being a possibility? Yeah. So pageants work in a way where normally there is a local competition and then a state and then the national competition. So competing in a local competition is actually pretty accessible to a lot of people. Um, And I would say, honestly, first go around, just 
kind of dive in, um, maybe talk to somebody who's been in the pageant game to get the best advice on, you know, what to wear or what goes on behind the scenes, whatever it is, but um, try a local competition. Um, it's really, really fun. And I think it gives you the clarity about if you like pageantry, what you like about it. And then from there, I would encourage someone to go out and find their motivation behind pageantry. And for mine, it was self-development. I spend a lot of time uh, giving to others, volunteering for others. Um, I am so sorry. That is my cat. He gets a little, he sounds like a little. That that is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. That is hilarious. (laughs) Um, But yeah, going back to it, I was just saying that I spend so much time giving to others. And so pageantry really gave me a way to focus on myself without, I guess, feeling guilty about it. I don't know if anybody else has ever experienced that, but like when you take time for yourself or do something for yourself, you know, it almost feels a little taboo. And so pageantry gave me that excuse. It also really let me connect with my family a lot more. It was like our team sport. So um, those became my motivations. And I think that's what led me to how I approach pageantry, making my own decisions about wardrobe and making my own decisions about what platform I wanted to develop and why it was important to me. So first just jump into the fire and then, you know, figure out what it is that's best for you. And then figure it out. I'm, I'm beginning to, to think that is definitely so true. <laughs> everything For everything in life, there's, there's a point, you know, you're learning and learning and learning and learning. And there's literally a point where you literally just have to start doing to get that experience to really learn what it is that uh, is needed. So, so thank you for that. And thanks for sharing those tips. So starting off local is a great way to start. uh, And you said pretty easy to access information on if somebody is looking to get started. Um, So So with that, lastly, I just want to ask you, what is one of your favorite quotes and why? So one of my favorite quotes that I've recently found a lot of um, clarity in is um, by Wendell Berry, and it says, the earth is what we all have in common. And that's brought me a lot of clarity on my journey as Miss Earth USA because, you know, it's not about your region or your country. It's about everyone in the world coming together in this shared cause and the shared impact that it has. And so, you know, it goes toward just being inclusive of all types of people, all nations of people. And I think um, the environment or environmental work has the power to bring us together, not only as a planet, but as a people. So that's been one of my favorites recently. The earth is what we all have in common. That is so beautiful. I just love that. Well, we certainly wish you all the very best of luck in all of your journeys ahead. You have been such an inspirational guest today, Libby. And I just know that all of our listeners are going to be so motivated when they hear this episode and they're going to want to connect with you more. So will you tell them what the best place is for them to connect with you online? Yeah, so I'm probably most active on Instagram. My platform or my handle is at Libby B Hill, like B, the middle initial. 
Um, so at Libby B. Hill. In theory, you can also find me on Facebook that way, and that's also uh, my website. So that's a pretty easy way to get connected. And then if you want to follow the pageant more closely, it's at Miss Earth USA. Love it. And we will definitely include that in our show notes today. I just want to thank you again for the light that you've shined upon us, Libby. And I really hope that we are able to catch up and follow up with you again soon. Yes, Gentry, thank you for having me. You have such a beautiful perspective and such a great way of summarizing my long-winded thoughts. Oh, no, likewise. This is the pleasure has been all mine. Okay. Um, and, uh, as a reminder for our listeners, this does mark our one year anniversary. So we are so excited about that. And we have created a special offer for you with details in our show notes. And remember the more, you know, the more you glow.